0: Well, greetings once again, and we've come to the end of the uh, missions conference. How time flies, amen. Again, I am very grateful for this opportunity, the privilege to be a part of it. I wish it could have been different circumstances, but the Lord knows, and I'm not complaining. It's the Lord knew what was going to happen, and so we just rejoice that we were still able to do uh, at least this, amen. And I trust God's been using the messages Using His Word to encourage us in the area of missions, and that God will be honored and glorified. And so, as we close the service, I want to give us one last message, and uh, entitled "Giving God Our Love." And uh, I think this is so important that we understand that all that we do for our Lord Jesus Christ, our motivation should be nothing else but love—love for our Savior. And, of course, we know that God loves it when we're obedient to Him. Uh, and But when you think of um, the topic or the truth on love, it's an amazing thing, the motivation that people can have when they love. And so I want to look at a portion of Scripture in uh, Matthew chapter number 22, beginning in verse number 34 and to verse number 40. And, uh, of course, when we look at... This, uh, this portion of scripture as the Pharisees uh, came to him and the Sadducees and trying to trap Jesus Christ in uh, his saying and uh, always trying to trap him and, and, and snare what he was teaching to try to get to discount uh, the ministry and to, to, uh, to, um, uh, to get Jesus to contradict really what he was doing and trying to pit him against you know, the, the law of Moses. But, of course, Jesus Christ, being the God-man, being all wise, he knows how to answer these these critics that were trying to hinder him, which they never were successful. But they asked him a question about the greatest commandment. And, of course, the, uh, the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, they were all about the law, even though they themselves didn't keep the law, but uh, they tried to use the law for their advantage and uh, in keeping people under their thumb and ruling over them. And, uh, of course, they, high, they elevated the law of Moses. But again, as Jesus pointed out to them, they themselves wouldn't keep it and obey it. But they used that as a weapon. They misused the Word of God to bring people in bondage. And they were trying to do the same here with Jesus Christ, trying to trap Him. If they could get Jesus Christ to contradict the law, then that would give them the uh, opportunity or the authority to arrest Him for blaspheming against Moses and His law. And so they ask him a question about the law. In the beginning, verse number 34, the Bible says, But when the Pharisees had heard that that he had put the Sadducees to silent, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And so what a powerful statement Jesus Christ made here, the truth on uh, the greatest commandment. And of course, uh, the Pharisees didn't have anything to answer after Jesus Christ gave them this, this answer. But what I want to look at tonight uh, is the topic on giving God our love. And uh, when we think about missions, as we, as I mentioned from the beginning, that missions is all about giving. And But when we think of missions, we know and realize that the, our Bible doesn't have the word missions in it. Uh, you won't find the word missions throughout anywhere in your Bible. And, but the word nonetheless comes, it's a Latin word, uh, come, it comes from uh, me, uh, uh, missio, meaning to send. And so we see the principle, we see the word missions in that form throughout scripture. Uh, the apostle, the word apostle, if you look up that word in the uh, Greek, it means one who is sent. And so uh, when we think of missions or missionary, it's talking about someone who is sent. Now, of course, every single one of us are missionaries. We're missionaries whether we are on a foreign field or whether we are at home. As Jesus said, "'As the Father has sent me, even so send I you.'" And Jesus Christ was, of course, the first missionary who came, and He was sent by God. And when Jesus Christ finished His work here on earth, when He hung on the cross and said, "'It is finished,' talking about the salvation of man, and when he ascended into heaven, he gave the church the great commission, go ye. He was sending them into the world. Of course, he was talking to his disciples, but at the same time, this applies to the local New Testament church and every individual that is a Christian today that we ought to be involved in in missions, involved in telling the gospel, perhaps to our neighbor, telling the gospel or sharing the gospel with those that we go to school with, telling the gospel that are around in our city, in our area, that every single one of us, we have been sent by God to be a light in this world and to testify, to give the gospel message to those that we have contact with and people all around us. And so we ourselves, our missionaries, even though we might not be sent or commissioned as a missionary to a foreign field, we are still ought to be, we ought still to be involved in the Great Commission. And so praise God for that, and uh, it's exciting to be a part of God's work. And so when we look at missions, uh, we we see that missions is the sending. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, when we talk about uh, about love, and uh, we see that Jesus Christ came to this world. And, uh, well, let me just read this, and I'll get into the point that I'm trying to make. In 1 Corinthians, chapter number uh, 13, and, of course, this is the uh, love chapter. And now, motivation, or love is, I believe, the greatest motivator. I don't know of anything that motivates a person or an individual to do more, to enter into, uh, run into danger, to risk his own life, than the, than the motivation of love. Love is so powerful. And uh, when we think about love, when we think about Jesus Christ coming to this earth... Why did He come to this world when He knew all that was going to take place? When He knew that He was going to be rejected of His own, that His own would not receive Him. When He knew that He would be despised and rejected, and He knew that He would be beaten. He would go through an unbelievable cruel death and hang on the cross and shed His blood and be forsaken of the Father. Why would Jesus Christ do what He did? Why would God send His only begotten Son, His beloved Son into the world, knowing all that would, all that would happen to His Son? The obvious answer is, for God so loved the world that He gave. And missions is about giving. And if we don't have love in our hearts, it's going to be hard for us to give of ourselves. It's going to be harder to give of our finances. It's going to be hard to give of our time. And we need to have the love of Christ in our hearts so that we have the right motivation and the strength and to give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ in the area of missions. But when we think about giving, give God your love. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, number 13 in the first three verses, you know, we can a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they do a lot of things. Uh, They can get involved in a lot of uh, programs that the church is involved in. They can get involved in all kinds of different activities that revolve around the church and things of that nature. But we have to understand and realize that our motivation and our reason what we do has got to be because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. He says, though I speak with the tongue... Uh, tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity. Now that word charity means love in action. It's a, it's a, it's a word of love. He says, uh, uh, he says uh, let me just start over. Uh, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Just these annoying little sounds. He says, if I don't have love in my heart, if I don't love Jesus Christ with my heart, this is what's going to happen. This is all that I'm going to do. And if I am, as he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I, if I am this great orator, if I am this great preacher, if I am this, uh, a Christian that can really expound the words of God, but he says, if I don't have charity, what does he say? You're nothing more than a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. You're just annoying. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And uh, as Paul says here, that's all it is if we don't have charity. Verse number two, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mystery, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Wow, isn't that something? We might look at these things and say, wow, if I, if I could have the great faith that some of these men have, and if I could, if I could know the mysteries of the Scripture, if I could uh, 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 have this knowledge of the end times and ex- be able to explain uh, all the mysteries that are in the Book of Revelation, which aren't mysteries at all—they've been revealed to us. But some think that oh, you have to have this this special understanding, this this unique revelation of God, and people are enamored with. With people who have this apparent knowledge of the unknown, and Paul says, "Hey, even those that that might appear to be that way," he says, "If you and if you do have that knowledge and that faith that you could remove mountains, but if you don't have love, it mounts to nothing. It mounts to nothing. <laughs> and isn't that true, even in our relationship with our husbands and wives? Boy, you've seen so many times." of uh, couples who are married and boy, they have all the luxuries that this world has to offer. They got the house, they got the cottage, they got the wealth, the savings and uh, the holidays and all these things. And it looks like, wow, they got it made. But if there's no love in that relationship, no love in that home, all of it is as nothing. I remember talking to a preacher years ago down in the States and he had bought a a farmyard from a couple who were going through a divorce. And uh, the farmyard that he bought was on a large acreage, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful place, and he got it for a really good deal. And what had happened is this couple, they got so busy in work and trying to attain all these things and and to have the nice house and to have all these things that the world offers them. And they eventually they grew apart from each other. Their love died one for another. They let their flame, their love go out. And eventually it led to a divorce and he sold this house. And he said one day as he was driving to his property as the, the previous owner was leaving, they met on the driveway. And he'll talk to him just for a brief moment. And he says, I can't believe you would sell all of this for the price that you sold it. And the man says, when you don't have love, you got nothing. And wow, how true that is. When we don't have love for God, we don't have love for our family, don't have love for our spouses, we don't have love for the things of God, it amounts to nothing. And that's exactly what Paul was saying here. And he goes on to say, verse number three, and says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Wow, what, a, what an indictment on us for, to, uh, to make sure that we have that love for God that God uh, requires of us. And every single one of us can choose to love God. And we praise God for that. Now, when we think again of missions, the first thing what we have to understand is that Jesus Christ is that missionary that came to this world, and He is the example of what true love really is. And we learn all that we need to learn about the Christian life. We learn to we learn from Jesus Christ because the Bible says, "Looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith." I uh, see when we get saved, God just doesn't save us and say, "Here, now you figure it out for yourself." Now you arrive. Up to this point here. Now you rise to uh, unto perfection. No, God is intimately involved, intimately involved in every area of our life. It is God that works in us, as Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that is what God is doing in your life. And that is what God is doing in my life. He is conforming us. He is molding us. He is shaping us to the image of Christ. Now we're not talking about the physical appearance. We're talking about to be like Christ. As Paul said it in Galatians chapter, chapter 2, he says... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I want Christ to live his life through me. And as God is working in your life and in my life, he's conforming us to the image of Christ. And guess what happens? The more we are conformed to the image of Christ, the more we will love God, the more we will love people. So it says, it's imperative that we allow God to do his work in and through us. Us and to mold us. And you want to, sometimes when God is working in us. Sometimes it's painful. There's some things that God has to chip away in our life that that cause us to go through great trials of pain at times and times of suffering. But it's all for the good. Amen. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. And so as we allow God to work in our lives, molding us, shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ, we become more and more like Christ and we'll be more like Christ in the area of our love. Oh, every single one of us, I trust we have a desire to be like Jesus Christ. I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to be more like Christ. I want to love God more. I want to love people more. I want to have a greater compassion for souls. I want to have a greater compassion uh, for those that are around me. I want to have a greater love for the Word of God. I want to know Him. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, Oh, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Amen. Is that your desire? Have you tasted of God? have you tasted that the Lord is good have you tasted a little bit of God's goodness and of God's grace hasn't that wetted your appetite for more oh that we might know him oh we've experienced his grace and that ought to motivate us to say I want to know him so much more oh we see the goodness and grace of God and we see what God is trying to do in in our hearts and so when we look at Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith that is his goal he's bringing us along and he's molding us and he's shaping us and he wants us his desire is as we read in Matthew chapter 22 that we love God with all of our hearts you know what happens when we love someone we have no problem serving that individual my husband and wife relationship I do things for my wife because I love her and she does things for me Because she loves me. I don't have to remind her. I don't have to push her. I don't have to try to make her to feel guilty in doing something for me. No, it's because when there's love in that relationship, then we are seeking, how can I please my partner? When we love God, when our heart beats for God... We say, what can I do uh, for my Lord Jesus Christ? And it's the same is true when Paul, the hater at one time who hated Jesus Christ, he hated the church, he hated the Christians, and he persecuted them. He dragged them off into prison and stoned Stephen. He watched it happen. And he just had this hatred for Christianity. And then, then on the way to Damascus, as Jesus reveals himself to him and says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And Paul realized, recognized right there, this is Jehovah God. This is God that I've been fighting against. And he recognized that God extended mercy to him, that God had compassion on him, and gave him an opportunity to (laughs) repent of his sin and trust in Jesus Christ. And he said, What wilt thou have me to do? Oh, he recognized the love that he had just received and the grace that he had just received. And he said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I am willing to do it. And, of course, after Paul realized and when Jesus Christ uh, revealed uh, through Barnabas all that Paul would go through, Paul was still willing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and die for him. See, love makes a difference in our life as we serve Jesus Christ. And that was the problem in Peter's life. You know, Peter was quick to say, Oh, I love God. I'm going to serve you. And I'm even willing to die for you, Lord Jesus. I'll even go to prison for you. That's how much I love you. I am committed to you. Oh, it's easy to say it. Amen. Uh, Talk is cheap, they say. But Peter's problem was, what happened when the uh, rubber met the road, so to speak? When when, uh, Jesus was taken into captive, when he was arrested, and he was uh, before the judgment hall... And Peter was on the outside warming himself by the fire and kind of watching what was taking place from a distance. No doubt his heart was full of fear because it was demonstrated there in the garden where they arrested Jesus Christ and Peter fled. And so did all the other disciples. But Peter at first was saying, I'm ready to die for you. But here it was a point to prove. Prove the sincerity of your love. And Peter took off and he ran in another direction. And then after the, and after, of course, G, uh, Peter had denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times, exactly what Paul, uh, Jesus had predicted. And, uh, of course, Peter wept bitterly, and, uh, and he went back to his old life, went back fishing. And after the crucifixion, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus wanted to meet his disciples, and he says, Hey, I'm going to meet my disciples. And, and go tell Peter. Tell Peter as well. Praise the Lord for his grace. Amen. Praise God for His mercy. When we fail, it doesn't mean that's the end of our Christian life. doesn't mean it's the end of a relationship. We just need to repent and get our focus back on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same was with Peter. And then when uh, they were all gathered around, and Jesus was talking to, to the disciples, and He zeroed in on Peter. And of course, Jesus knew the problem that Peter had. And the problem was that His love for, the, for, for His Savior wasn't what it should have been and that's what jesus was trying to teach him when he asked him peter son of jonah lovest thou me and three times he asked him that question do you love me do you love me and peter finally broke the lord you know all things you know that i love you i have repented of my sins and i have decided that i'm going to love you with all of my heart and that was the turning point in peter's life and then after Peter confessed that he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed to Peter how that Peter would glorify God in his death, that he would be crucified and Peter still chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What motivated Peter at that point? It was his love for the Savior. Your love and my love for the Lord Jesus Christ will motivate us to do things for Christ that won't that that will that will uh, that will do things that we will be that will commit things. Excuse me, uh, uh, for Christ will be committed to Christ in areas that we never thought we could be. But love is such a great motivator. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Oh, how good it is to know that Jesus Christ loves His people, and understand this that. Uh, when we look at the uh, the New Testament, we read through the New Testament, and we, if we were to focus on or look at the word love mentioned throughout the New Testament, it's mentioned over three hundred and fifty-seven times. That word, or the form of it, love or love or charity, uh, it's mentioned over three hundred and fifty-seven times throughout the New Testament. It's a word that is very, very often repeated. uh, But when you think of the New Testament, there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. That is an average of 1.3 times the word love is mentioned per chapter. That's an awful lot of love in the New Testament. It's called what some people have said, it's the love book. Amen. It's God's love book to us, and how He, how much He loves us, and praise God for that. But understand, as Christians, we can allow our love to get cold for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is sad that many, uh, as Paul said too in the last times, many people's love shall wax cold. It shall go cold. Oh, I trust that our love hasn't gone cold for the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust we're constantly asking God to reframe our hearts and to renew our love for Him. We have that warning in the book of Revelation, chapter number 2, verse 1 through 4. Of course, we see the uh, the, the warnings to the seven churches of, uh, uh, of Revelation there. In uh, Re- Revelation chapter 2, to the church of Ephesus, uh, John writes, he says, unto the church... Of the of the uh, of Ephesus, write these things. Saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the golden candlestick. I know thy works and thy labour and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are not they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Verse number three, it says, and has borne and has patience and for not for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. So this church was busy. They had some good, good standards. They were involved in a lot of things. But in verse number four, it says here, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Well, they were involved in a lot of good things. They were doing a lot of right things. And you see that in churches today. A lot of churches, they got good programs, good missions programs, good children's programs, good youth programs, good outreach programs. Those things are all fine. If it's all just programs, it's not so fine. Yeah, I believe in doing things decently and in order, having structure in the church, that we ought to know how to behave ourselves. And I believe in all of that. But if it's, it can't just it can't just be relegated to programs. It's got to be more than that. Because programs will wear you out. You'll get weary in well-doing. And that's what was happening with this church here. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Meaning, all oh, they had at one time when they came to Jesus Christ, they had a love for Him. Oh, do you remember the day when you trusted Christ the Savior, when you realized that your sins were forgiven? given or oh, as they some some have said that honeymoon period. It was so sweet. Uh, Just a fellowship with God and to know that your sins are forgiven. Hey, what's happened to that love? Oh, our love should have grown. We should have a greater love for the Lord Jesus Christ uh, today than we did when we were saved. And our love ought to flourish. It ought to be deeper. It ought to be more uh, more vibrant today than it ever has been. Or are we there in that place where we've allowed our love to go cold for the Lord Jesus Christ Oh, if that's you today, let's just repent of our sins and ask God to uh, to give us that love once again to cause us to love Him and, and, and seek His face and allow Him to do that work that He desires to do in our hearts, conforming us into His image. Oh, love is such a great motivator, as I mentioned before. On December 27th of 1876, a Pacific Express train on which Bliss and his wife were traveling in a uh, uh, traveling in approached a bridge in Ohio while the train was uh, in the process of crossing the uh, trestle bridge it collapsed and the carriages fell into the ravine below bliss escaped from the wreck but carriages caught fire and bliss returned to extract his wife and that's where he died and the question might, ask, might be asked why in the world would a man go back into a burning train and to rescue his wife? Well, the obvious answer is because of His love. Why would God send His Son into this world to rescue sinners from that awful place called hell? The obvious answer is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Hey, if you're saved, and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what? God wants you to be involved in rescuing others Uh, from that awful place called hell. God wants you to be involved in that great work in preaching the gospel and giving the gospel message out. And if you have love in your heart and that motivates you, there's nothing that you wouldn't do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you read some of these biographies. Why do some of these missionaries go into these foreign countries and it used to be back in the early 1800s and 1700s where some of these countries in Africa have never seen a white man and they were filled with cannibals. What what caused these men and these women knowing that if they were to go into the uh, darkest jungles of Africa that they would very well uh, lose their life? What motivated them? What would cause them to take such Drastic actions and give their lives and lay it down. It was their love for God, and God gave them a love for people. Amen. Some people have said, "Oh, if you don't have a love for people, you can never be a missionary." No, the, the statement is true. When you say, "When you, if you don't have a love for God, you can't be the missionary that you need to be." You know what happens when you get on the mission field many times, and if you say that uh, my I, I am here because I love people. If that's the only that's as far as your love will go, guess what? You're going to wear out. You're going to get tired, you're going to get weary, because you're going to find out that people don't love you. As Jesus says, uh, be not surprised. He says, "Don't marvel not that the world hates you. Uh, they hated me way before they hated you, He said and uh, he says i send you forth as sheep among wolves and they're going to mistreat you they're going to beat you they're going to abuse you of course we don't go through the persecution that we that some have gone through in days gone by here in north america but nonetheless we live in a world that don't that that does not love god they've turned their backs on god and yet god still loves them and god wants to love them through us and so our love for god has got to be What God wants it to be. We ought to love God with all of our hearts. That's why he says, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And when you do that, guess what? Then and only then can you love people the way we need to love people. Oh, what a great God. What a great promise God's given to us. And what causes people to make such extreme sacrifices in the area of missions, it is their love for God. Oh, when we love God, there's nothing we won't do for Him. Amen. Ephesians chapter number one, uh, Ephesians chapter number three. Uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter number three. And I'll close with this for today. Uh, you might be in the service tonight thinking, well, my love is kind of cold. I really don't have that passion. I really don't have that motivation. My fear of witnessing is greater than my love for the souls that God wants me to reach. Hey, God has the answer for that. God knows our fears. God can change that, Amen. Perfect love casteth out fear, as 1 John chapter 4 tells us. Uh, Fear brings torment, but love, perfect love, will cast out that fear. When our love is burning for the Lord Jesus Christ, our love and our compassion will be far greater than our fear of their rejection of us giving them the gospel. That's why it's so important that we love God with all of our heart. And uh, if you're here, if you're in the conference and you say, My love has gotten cold. Well, why don't you take this prayer in Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 14 through 21, and personalize it, and go to God and pray this prayer, and watch God do a transforming work in your heart. And I'll read the prayer as Paul prayed it uh, for the Ephesians. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that He would grant unto you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with all with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Verse number 18. May be able to comprehend, oh sorry, no, verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. What a wonderful prayer we can pray. And if you realize and recognize and confess that your love is not what it should be, Why not go to God, confess, say, God, my love has died. My love for you has gone cold. And I don't want to stay here. I want my love to be a flaming fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to love you because you first loved me. And you go and you take your heart to God and you recognize, now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think, according to the, ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Understand this. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God and if we allow Him to work in us and uh, do the work that He wants to do in us, He will do things that you and I couldn't even have imagined. And so that's why it's so important when we read the Word of God. The Word of God is like a mirror. Amen? We read the Word of God and we see the fruit of the Spirit and we see the, the life of Jesus Christ. You say, my life doesn't match the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we recognize that we have that knowledge, we go to God and say, God, this is not who I am but God this is who I want to be and I recognize and realize that I myself can't transform my life I know I can't transform my heart but I know you can God and so I'm giving my heart to you I'm laying myself anew and afresh upon your altar and allowing you to do the work that you need to do in my life to conform me to the image of Christ and when God does that wonderful surgery in your inner man Oh, guess what? He can give you a love for God that you never thought was possible. Oh, why don't you commit your heart? Give your little bit of love that you have to God and allow Him to increase your love for Him. Oh, when we serve because we love Him, brings us the greatest joy known to mankind. Then service is no longer a service. It's an honor and it's a privilege. But when we have to serve the, when we have to serve the Lord, it gets very tiresome. When we have to give to missions, it gets weary. When we have to pray, it gets tiring. But when we get to because we love Him and we choose to serve Him, what a great privilege, what a great honor. Martin Luther uh, said to one of his servants, he said, I want to spend some time in prayer today. And he said, I want you to remind me. He said, I don't have a lot of time today. I want you to come into my office after in half an hour. And I want you to remind me that my half hour prayer is up and, 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 uh, and let me know that my half hour is gone. And so the servant said he would. And uh, as Martin Luther, I believe it was Martin Luther, I may have gotten the name wrong. If I have, please forgive me. Uh, but to best of my knowledge, it was uh, about Martin Luther. And so he gets into his, in his chamber there and he begins to pray to God on his knees. And, and the servant was watching the time and he realized that half an hour was up. And so he looked through the window of his office and he saw uh, his master, his, uh, Martin Luther, on his knees praying to God. And he saw his face just shining and his countenance was so full of joy that he could not disturb him for his prayer. So he just backed off. And after three hours later, he finally walked into the, into the office and he told Mr. Mar- Mr. Luther, he says, uh, your time of prayer is up. And he gets up off his knees and he says, wow. He says, how time flies after only spending a half an hour in prayer. And a servant says, sir, you've been in there for three hours. And wow, what joy spending the time in the presence of the love of our life. Amen. Is that your testimony? If not, is that your desire? If it's your desire, bring it to God. Bring your heart to God. Say, God, do a work in me. Cause me to love you with all my heart. And God would be honored and pleased to do that. So when we think about missions, may our motive be our love for him. Give God your love. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you once again for this time that you've given to us. Father, thank you for your word and Lord, how you revealed your love to mankind. Lord, it's just amazing to ponder and to think of your great love for sinful man. Lord, help us, I pray, to bring our hearts, our love to you. And allow you to increase our love. And Lord, that we truly would love you. Lord, it's the greatest commandment. yet it is possible for us to love you with all of our heart. So Father, would you teach us? Would you help us? Would you give us what we need to be the people you want us to be? A heart of love and gratitude for what you've done for us. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been a great joy for me to be with you. I trust you've enjoyed it. I trust God has spoken to your heart. And you've made some commitments to him. Again, I want to thank Pastor White and the good people of Grace Baptist Church for allowing me to be part of your missions conference. And I'm looking forward to seeing how God is going to continue to use you in reaching, world, uh, reaching the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thanks again. God bless you. And hope we get to see you soon. Amen.